This weekly podcast inspires you to step outside of your comfort zone. My name is Zakir Muhammad, and I'm your host of the Living Legacy Podcast. I am a cancer survivor, brand cultivator strategist, author, and world traveler. This Living Legacy Podcast features women of purpose sharing stories of resilience. They are single and married. They are artists and entrepreneurs who run businesses and juggle parenthood. If you are ready to hear interviews about professionalism, entrepreneurship, travel, life, and love, you are in the right place. They will share stories of how they overcame adversity while seeing life through a different lens. Let's get into it. So today we are having a conversation with another Muslim woman, another Muslima. So if you are new to this, my name is Akira. I am a brand cultivating strategist and author, a photographer, and a podcaster. So this summer, I decided to start a series where not only am I continuing the story of focusing on women of purpose as they share their stories of overcoming adversity with resilience, I'm also adding a little twist of educating and empowering and inspiring others to learn also from the religion that I grew up in called Islam. And this is a a short series that I started. I've had a few Muslim Muslims on my podcast. If you listen to episode five, that is the most informative episode thus far about Islam. I got to interview my dad and he talked about how he came about Islam, how he converted to Islam. And I also give the breakdowns of the basics of Islam for those who are unaware. So be sure to check out episode five of the Living Legacy podcast. And you can also check out other episodes such as episode 11 from Nimat Rabubi. She is actually a South African author. And we actually recorded it during the holy month of Ramadan. So we talked a lot about that. And then I also got to interview my childhood best friend, Asia, in episode 20. She is a, or studying to further be, a nutritionist slash dietitian. And then my mom and I had two-part episodes in episode 36 and 37, where not only do we talk about the book that we wrote together, seeing life through a different lens, but we also talk about how being uh, a woman of faith, being a Muslim woman, also really impacted our lives. And so today, we are talking with Zahra Aljabri. She is a spiritual coach, writer, and award-winning entrepreneur. She has the gift of being able to shift people's perspective and guide them out of a negative mindset into a positive one. Her coaching approach focuses shifting her client's mindset toward, more toward themselves and God, which leads them to a more transformed outlook on life. So she helps you to unlock your potential and pursue and succeed at all of your dreams. So Zahra supports people of faith to practically apply the religious knowledge so that God or a large description of peace, love, and support can be yours. So she primarily works with Muslims, but doesn't mean that it's only Muslims. So, but she uses those tools to enable people of faith to hear God speaking through to them. So she has a set of devotionals that she featured quotes from our holy book of the Quran. And she's also a married woman. So she married James, who is of Algerian descent, and Zahra is also of Kenyan descent. And they are based in LA right now, but they love to travel the world. They homeschool their kids along the way. So they've lived in Minneapolis, New York City, the country of Norway. And so... Of course, before 2020, they used to always travel the world with their kids. So I look forward to talking to her about everything. We're going to talk about the difference between being uh, a Muslim 
Af with of African descent in America, and as well as how she found her purpose and how she's using that to also become closer to God, which is something a lot of us are definitely, I would say, struggling to do during this time. It's as we continue to learn more about ourselves and find ourselves in during these difficult times. So, Dahalasalamualaikum, Pipi, with you. Thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm good. Walaikum salam. Thank you so much for having me. 19. It's so nice to be able to like, you know, interact with people and like have these group discussions. It's so good for our community. So really, thank you for what you do. And thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Thank you. It definitely uh, contributes to listening to my intuition. You know, this time it definitely allowed me to really get quiet and really listen to my intuition. So it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be a good conversation. We're also going to talk about a few things that I probably don't always publicly talk about because I never either had that platform or knew the word or felt more comfortable. So it's going to be good. It's going to be good. So I want you to start off with I, I kind of almost want to almost go in chronological order with you. So you you told me that you are of African descent. So tell me about that immigration story. Because it, it stuck with you, but it technically stuck with your parents, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so my parents are immigrants from Kenya. Um, they came over, my father came over for graduate work. Uh, first went, uh, settled in Atlanta. Oh, no. First went to Penn State. Um, so he was in Pennsylvania, then um, in Atlanta, and when he was in Atlanta is when he got married to my mother, who um, is from the same town as him in Kenya. So his sister was good friends with my mom, and that's how they connected. And then um, they got married, and he brought her over to Atlanta, Georgia. Um, that's where I was born. And then when I was five, we moved to California, to Southern California, and we grew up or, you know, they had um, my two other siblings and we grew up in Southern California. So for me, the immigrant story as, um, as what I mostly remember is growing up in Southern California, we lived in a very white suburb. We were one of the few black families um, in the area. Like in my high school, there was like six or seven other um, black kids um, in a high school of 2000 students. And then in our masjid was mostly all, you know, was not mostly, was all Desi and Arab. So all, there was no Black American Muslims, there was no other African Muslims. Um, and growing up, what I, you know, I kind of just knew that we were different. I knew that, okay, we're Muslim. I knew um, that we were, you know, from Africa, that we're Kenyan. My parents would, you know, like other immigrant children talk about going home, um, back home, back home. And we would go to Kenya every two years um, and see their family and, you know, be with our, be with our extended family. But here in the States, we were kind of we were kind of isolated, right? Like that, you know, I was different, like that I, you know, for A, that I'm black, you know, B, that I'm Muslim, um, you know, we're not doing the same typical things. So oh, you can't go to sleepovers, you know, you can't eat, you know, at the party, watch out, you don't eat the pepperoni pizza and things like that. So you're always noticing like um, how I'm different and like the cultural difference, you know, from white America versus being an immigrant, being African, being Muslim. Um, the hospitality difference, the welcoming difference, the, you know, and my mom is super social and friendly and outgoing. And then because of that, because my mom was very social and sociable and outgoing, and my dad is kind of more reserved, she really helped us to get connected within the community and within, um, 
within the white suburbs that we had so many friends that we, you know, were on the soccer team, we were in dance, we took piano lessons, we like, we did all the things of a typical um, white suburban family. And my mom, you know, taking us to swimming lessons and just being a part of like, uh, of, of American life. Um, her as an immigrant, you know, them both as immigrants, like really just taking advantage of what they saw, the opportunities that they could give us, that we could learn, that we could um, enjoy and experience. Um, they really, they really looked at the positive and focused on that. And in that way, it kind of helped us as, as their kids, you know, to, to navigate both worlds that we did have um, a diverse set of friends, a large group of friends, and that we were able to point out the similarities, you know, that, yeah, you know, I'm black, I'm Muslim, I'm different from you in so many ways. Um, but, you know, I, you know, I play soccer like you, or like, I like in sync like you do, or, you know, whatever, it, whatever else it is, like all the commonalities of just that there's so much more commonalities that we have than we have differences. So that really, I credit my parents to um, just their, their outlook and their worldview of like, okay, you know, we know, you know, we, we know how hard things are, um, being black. We know how, um, how at that time, just the unknown and the foreign and the different of being Muslim. Um, and then, you know, of being at the stereotypes of being African, that you're uneducated, that you're poor, that, you know, you're, you're dirty, whatever. Um, and really like that they didn't kind of stress or focus on those things or even like let it kind of be in our psyche that they just focused on the positive of what we had to contribute and give and be a part of in society and the positive that they could take from society too. Not, you know, constantly telling us to watch out or look out or all of those things. Perfect. Yeah, no, I definitely related. Um, especially also for me, I would very commonly one of few, either few African-American women, one of few Muslim women uh, growing up because also, um, you know, my parents wanted the best for me, like any other parent, you know, wanted the best education, wanted the best uh, Muslim community, wanted the best, um, you know, if I could develop friends at school, just do that. And I was never the, I was, I would never feel like I was um, different from others until you know, I, I would start having conversations with the kids. It's like, okay, so why are you this? Why are you that? Why do you wear this thing on your head? You know, why do you do this? Why do you do that? So I definitely love when you uh, mentioned the part about pepperoni because, of course, the most people, the minimum that most people know about Muslims is that you cannot eat pork, which means no bacon on anything, no pepperoni on anything. I'm not going to have a ham at your Thanksgiving dinner. Um, so it would definitely... Uh, interesting because you know my parents they converted but they were very also in tune to who we are before we all got to America right so they're also very in tune to their um African uh culture so I was very Afrocentric growing up as well so it was definitely different and, and I also applaud my parents for wanting to be uh, inclusive you know because yes uh America is land of opportunity for everybody and you know just how can you utilize that how can you make the most of that but also how can we continue to teach and educate people so what was it like growing up when you were in, interacting with other kids playing soccer with other kids and they're wondering why 
you have this thing on your head or wondering why you have to uh, bow to the ground every few minutes or something like that. So what was that experience like growing up, um, kind of teaching other kids or other, other peers what it's like to be Muslim? Um, I think I, I, so I didn't start wearing a hijab or covering my hair until college. And I think I really was um, really focused on like, oops, fitting in. So I, I kind of hid, hid my Islam. I didn't talk, I didn't talk about prayer. I didn't talk about faith. I didn't, um, I don't remember having, you know, many conversations at all about just like God in general. I, um, I prayed, but I never prayed at school. I would pray, you know, at school ended for me, um, at 2.15. So I'd come home and that's when I'd prayed the her. Um, uh, so, I, you know, I already, I already felt the different, the cultural difference and just being black. So like, I didn't want to add to it, like about being Muslim. <laughs> and I just, and you know, in this day and age or even back then, even, even now, like you can, you can get away with not necessarily talking about faith. And so that's what I did. I didn't really, um, I didn't really engage too much. And then what what was that shift for you? Because I, I agree, you know, that was the same way of um, like for me, I wouldn't, at least at my my public schools, I would not wear, I would pretty much wear wear like this. And I still do. This is like my go-to style. But of course, the older I got, the more I learned. There are multiple ways you can wear the hijab or the scarf. But of course, the question I always got was after I, well, aside from that little period in middle school, I was like, you know, I would get to school and have my hair did and, you know, walk around like that. But other than that, like most of the time I just covered my head and, and that was the basic question that people asked. But even then I wouldn't be like, uh, I'm a Muslim and I would because of this and stuff like that. Cause even I still felt shy, you know, in my faith at that point too. But what was that like? Um, what was the coming to God or coming to a lot moment for you of, making that decision to practice more, practice your faith more? Um, yeah, well, for me, I had decided in my last year of high school that I was like, okay, I do want to wear um, the hijab and I, you know, I want to, I want to cover my hair, you know, it all the time. Um, and I'll do it when I start college. So it's like in the summer, I'll do it and I'll start co college. And um, the, the and the college that I started starts in, started in late September. So, you know, some, a lot of colleges start in August or whatever, my, the college I was going to go to UCLA started in late September and, um, it was September 11th, <laughs> September oh, 11th happened. And, um, the people that I knew who were wearing hijab, um, had that shaky moment of some of them taking it off or just being really scared. And, um, now all of a sudden, you know, everyone's talking about Islam, everyone's talking about Muslims. And I was actually at UCLA in a pre-college summer program to get you ready to start college. So I was at UCLA. Um, when it happened? When it happened. And um, I had I had just put on my hijab. I had put on my hijab right, right before I went to UCLA that, okay, I said I'm going to take it. The day I, took, I, I put on my hijab was actually... The day I needed to take the picture for um, for college uh, ID card, so I started wearing it that day. You know, then then uh, and that was sometime in August. Then went to the summer program, and then September 11th happened, and then all of a sudden becoming like you know 
wait, Zahra, like that's, you wear that headscarf because you're Muslim, right? What is that? So what's going on? And just having to now start explaining and answering questions and realizing like, oh my gosh, like, you know, they know me, but they don't know anything about my faith. They don't know anything about what's going on. And if they listen to the news, like, no, like don't listen to the news. Like that's all wrong. Like, you know, it's so skewed. It's so different. Even so to this day, like don't listen to the news. Yes, Unless you listen listen to the news. <laughs> There's any advice you could give anyone. It's don't listen to the news. Go anywhere else for your information besides the news on anything, literally. Um, and that was, you know, and all through my life, I had gone to Sunday school. I had, you know, done all the, done all those things. So I did feel like, I did feel knowledgeable in Islam. I felt comfortable and confident and knowledgeable in what I knew about Islam and what I could speak to Islam. And so like, you know, if someone asked, I wasn't like, oh, I'm not sure. I don't have anything. And like, no, let me tell you, like, what are the five pillars? What does our prophet say? Our religion is about peace. Like we are, you know, come from the same uh, Abrahamic faiths as, you know, Moses and Jesus and Noah and, and Abraham, like just showing the commonalities. Like this is nothing new. It's a long line of prophets. This is what it is. You know, they're trying to skew it as this something Eastern, barbaric, savage religion, you know, by people in a foreign country who are brown, whatever. Like, no, no, it's just the continuation of Jesus's message, the continuation of Moses's message, and really explaining it to people in a way that like they can grasp, they can understand, that they cannot feel so scary, um, scared by, and that um, I could share and help them to make sense of what's going on. Just like, you know, just like you have fundamentalist Christians who blow up abortion clinics, right? Your religion teaches that, you know, respect all of life. How does it make sense to kill someone, you know, when you're trying to save a life? Like, that's just as you understand that those people are skewing and, you know, fundamentalist on their Christianity, we, that same issue and same problem is happening with some people who are skewing and having a fundamentalist issue of Islam. Um, and it's, you know, it doesn't make sense. It's a contradiction and, and just really getting into those things. So, you know, cause the, the media was just painting us all with one big brush that we all think this way and we all are bad and we all are terrorists. And to really um, be like, hold up. And it's the first time that I was just like, wait, like, wait a minute, like you can't, like you, you can't do that and expect that like no one is gonna push back or that we are not gonna speak up for ourselves. Like that is not true. That is not true. And it's, you know, and we can show so many examples and cases and um, stories that will make that clear. And in, in, in that moment, in September 11th is really when I, I made that conscious decision, like, okay, if anybody asks, if anybody have questions, if I have opportunity to share or to speak, I will, especially because of where I grew up, because I grew up in white suburbia, like they, if they just, if all they look at is the news, like they don't know any black people to talk to. So they can't, you know, know about black issues. They don't know any Muslims. They don't know any Muslims. So who are they gonna learn to ask about from Muslims? They're going to go to the news. So like, if I'm there and I'm the only Muslim, I've got to say something because literally I'm the only one that you've met in real life, in real person. So let me tell you. Um, and you know, I don't want to say that everyone has that responsibility to speak on, to speak to it. But I, like I said, I felt that I, I was comfortable and confident enough to do it, so that I was going to do it. I wasn't going to be that Muslim in the room who 
like let those things slide or didn't say something. Um, and now, you know, I'm finding myself in that same position um, as, as, a, as a black person, like speaking up, whereas before I, for, in both cases, before as a Muslim, as a black person, I would let, you know, racist comments slide and I would let ignorance on Islam and Muslim slide because like, whatever, these people don't understand. I don't have time for that. I have my own issues to deal with. But now no, you have time. <laughs> I have time. And because of your ignorance, it's killing us. So let me tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, ignorance is bliss. And I'm glad that it was, it was, it was definitely a test for you at that point. It seemed to be a test of faith. And so you passed it. <laughs> so Allah and God were definitely testing you. You definitely passed it. And so I love that. And, and yeah, that's the thing of, um, you know, most people knew my name, knew me because of my name, but if they couldn't make the correlation of, so what are you or what do you do, right? But of course, it's interesting that most people don't understand, maybe because it's not talked about enough, is that all of the holy books have the same stories. And all of it's all the same prophets uh it's just the arabic name for them right so moses is musa in arabic and also just understanding that uh it's it's literally what people don't really understand what i've i've learned is that just like christianity is what christians practice right islam is what muslim practice judaism is what jewish practice so <clears throat> you are, we already know that they're good people and bad people so in every religion that like you wouldn't you wouldn't there are some people who would chastise you know christians who don't practice the way that the church taught you right and so in the same in the same way there are plenty of muslims who will chastise you for not you know doing what what was told what they think is told so it's definitely interesting uh, interesting conversation of just start doing your doing your research by simply asking start, start with asking someone who knows because they've studied it they've lived it they grew up in it they went to school for it so those are definitely the people if you want to start um having that conversation if as, as a non-muslim as a non-person of color what also do you think people could do or go to or utilize in this time to start that conversation if that's something they want to do yeah, I mean, um, the information is out there. And a part of the problem, right, is that there's so much information that if you like Google Muslims or if you Google, you know, racism, you're going to get like inundated with um, so many things. So I, what I would say is to find, to, to find um, an anchor right? Start with an anchor. So it could be that, you know, you, you, you're watching this podcast and you're like, okay, you know what, this is, you know, uh, a millennial girl and I can understand her, like, I'm going to start with Zahra as my anchor and then see what I'm putting out and what sources I'm recommending that you go to, right? So that you have a place to start and go to, like, you know, if you're wanting to learn about racism, I'd say go watch the 13th on Netflix. Okay, Zahra said that. I'm going to watch the 13th on Netflix. And then, you know, you, you'll be able to expand out, but start with an anchor and pick one thing, learn about it. And from what you learn from that thing, decide uh, and see what's, what's interesting you, what else do you want to learn about? So if you're talking about Islam or Muslims, like um, if you go to um, my account, Practical Muslim, and you read my devotionals, for example. So you read my devotional, you're like, okay, this is relatable. Um, I can understand 
uh, this approach or this description of God that she's talking about. And I cite some different Quranic verses. So you could go and look at those citations of those verses and read the Forstown account. And you can also then, you know, dig, dig deeper. But in, in any case, you want to start with a topic that's interesting and relevant to you, right? So again, like if I'm talking about racism, if you're, is, is, is the incarceration of um, Black people interesting to you? Or is it police brutality? Or is it, you know, I do live in a white suburb. Why is there no that many Black people here? Like, you know, Zahra's here in this white suburb and she's, she's, she's smart and she's nice and I've never seen any issues or problems with her. Why can't there be more Black people like her? So go looking into housing um, or going looking into education. Whatever is of interest to you, start there because your natural curiosity will help you guide you to understand and because you um, are already curious or into the interested in that area you'll be able to notice the differences so if you're into school systems and you're very active in your your child's school or whatever um and then you want to study uh, you know approach racism from that lens and you find out more about how schools are in you know in underserved communities it'll be more apparent to you what the differences are like oh my pta you know has a budget of half a million dollars this this school has a pta that has no budget wow what impact is that making on their education and da 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 da, da, da. and you'll understand all the implications of how race is a factor in the school system same thing with islam if Islam, you want to like learn about, you know, okay, well, how does Islam treat women? All right, I'm very interested in feminist topics, so I'm going to learn about all these things, and you're going to see what Islam is saying about women and how it's treating women, and also you're going to understand the difference between what Islam says and what people practice and adhere, and be able to make that distinction. Or the same thing, I want to understand, you know, what Islam says about. Um, about this life and an afterlife. You know, in Christianity, we believe there's an afterlife. Does Islam say that? Oh, it does say there's an afterlife. What is it saying about these afterlifes? And da da da. And you'll get into it because you already have your knowledge base from what you're anchored in, what you know about Christianity or Judaism or Buddhism or whatever it is. Um, and then you can, you'll be able to um, see what the similarities are and and get a better sense when you dig in here. Or if you wanted to look at the prophets, okay? I know about our prophets in Christianity. What does Islam say about prophets? You could go digging there. So find an anchor of something that you're interested in and find um, one source that will help you to start that journey. And here, of course, the, the issue of credibility, you wanna make sure that that source is credible. Um, and if you have opportunity to ask someone or check or put it in a group or a chat like, okay, you know, I'm interested in learning about the prophets and Islam and I'm going to, I'm going to be reading this book. You can, you know, throw that up somewhere and hopefully you will get a good enough indication of whether at least that that's credible. As long as it's credible, keep going and, and read the diverse sources because you'll, the truth will, will come out. The truth, as much as um, people, the president, the world tries to cover up things with lies and deception and, and, you know, trickery and whatever, all sorts of zigzag paths. The truth, the truth can, can be buried, but it cannot be hidden. And if you are determined to find the truth, as long as that's your goal, like, I really want to know the truth about this issue. I want to know the truth about racism. Are people, are Blacks really treated differently in America? I want to know the truth. I want to know the truth about Muslims. What do they really think? You, if you keep that determination, um, you will find it. Because the truth can be covered up. 
The truth can be, you know, hidden off in a corner, but it cannot be denied or buried or completely lost. It is there. And if you're determined to find it, you will find it. You will find the truth. And that truth will be very clear to you. It will be, be obvious. You will feel it in your heart. You will understand and you will know that this is true. And um, here again, there's a lot of talking heads on, on news and all over the place um, on social media. And you want to trust within yourself, trust your own experiences. Not only do you want to go out and looking in this information, but then go out and try and have engage in the world in that way. Go and look at your company. Oh, my company, you know, is all white. Like what, ask your HR team, how come none of our leadership you know, the 40 people in all director level and C-suites, C how come no, none of them are any person of color or there's only one woman or ask and you will again, discover the truth. They'll tell you this and that and mumbo jumbo, it's hard, the pipeline, we can't find candidates, blah, blah, blah. But then you'll begin to, you know, as long as you keep questioning, the truth will become clear, like that, you know, whatever it is will become obvious. And the same thing for Islam, that if you're determined to find it and you want to poke and prod and ask those questions, you will be led to the truth because um, whether you believe in God or not, whatever you want to call it, the universe, you will be guided to the truth from that internal seeking, you will be guided to find it. Are you ready to start your own progress? Now is the best time for you to share your story. Your story needs to be told. Sign up with my promo code LEGACY at signup.libson.com to get 45 days of free hosting. That means this month and next month free. So visit signup.libson.com and use promo code LEGACY. Absolutely. Yeah, you literally just said everything I was going to supplement. So that we, I feel like we could go on and on about this conversation, just continuing educating people. This is great. So you literally said everything I was going to say. <laughs> I think we've also been great at also kind of almost going in chronological uh, order of your story. So I think now where we are also at your story is, is finding love, right? So how did you find love? And, and of course, what role did Islam play in, in your love story? Yeah, um, that's a great uh, transition. So yes, in college, um, you know, it was when I got stronger in my faith, I joined the, the Muslim Student Association and um, began to, to practice more and to learn more and understand more. And um, towards the end of college is, you know, when you're getting to be a marriageable age and most of my friends are getting married and really like appreciating like, yes, of course, I want to marry someone who's Muslim. I want to have someone who shares this faith with me, who shares this understanding, who has this worldview that I do and um, build a life with that person. And then it was in college that I began to realize that like, oh my gosh, like I don't, I, when I think about marriage, like, I'm, I kind of got like, oh, like who's going to marry me? Because um, in the Desi community, they're not going to want to marry a black girl, you know, the racism. In the Arab community, they're not going to want to marry a black girl, the racism, right? They're not going to say racism. They're just going to say, oh, I prefer Desi's, prefer Desi's. Yeah, we want to stick, you know, we want to. Yeah, <laughs> right. They want to keep their culture and all of that. And that's true and fine. Um, I have no knock on anyone who wants to do that, but an element of, you know, not, you know, they would marry a white person before they would marry a black person, essentially. Um, 
and then thinking about, you know, my parents are from Kenya. They're like, okay, well, we, there's, you know, we have extended family. We can meet you someone in Kenya. And um, just, uh, you know, they did set me up with a few people, but then the, the feeling was just that I'm not African enough. I'm American. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it's like, you're not really that African. Okay, Black American Muslims. Um, and when I, I talked to a few of those two, uh, we're feeling like you're not black enough. You know, you grew up in the white suburbs. You're like, you're whitewashed and Oreo, whatever. So like, oh my God, like, okay. Um, then thinking about even a, a white convert, I was like, okay, I didn't know any white converts at the time, but I was like, uh, well, for me, I was like, well, I want someone who has a little bit of a person of color, you know, culture. And I grew up in white America and that white, whiteness is like, you know, a different culture that I didn't want, um, that I, that I didn't really, uh, see for myself. And so I kind of had like reached that point of like, oh my God, like, like I just eliminated everyone and I don't know who I'm going to marry. And I had to leave it to God. I was like, okay, you know, my mom just kept saying like, we're making, I'm making dua for you. I'm the oldest in my family. So I'm the first one to get married or, you know, should be the first one to get married. I'm making dua for you. And I just keep asking Allah to give you someone amazing. Like, why not? Why not can't you have someone amazing? And, um, you know, that ha is all these things that you want. And so I, I, I took that from her. I'm like, I'm not going to think about why and how and where this person who, is going to come from. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Who are they? I'm just going to say, why not? Why not can't I have someone, you know, who is cultured, who is, you know, strong in faith, who is all these um, you know, things that I wanted. Strong in faith. Strong in faith. Strong in faith. Yeah. Treats me well, respects me, you know, loves my family. Like, you know, is, you know, is not going to have any, um, kind of, um, um, racial issues because there are, there are people of different races who marry black people, but it like, that it still, it shows, you know what I, I don't know if you know, get the sense that I'm saying, but it's like, you never feel like, uh, so maybe for the listeners, we'll kind of break it down. So it kind of like, um, think of it as when you, you grew up with your family, but your family is like, you grew up in a different state from your family. And so you already just seem look different in the eyes of your family. So it kind of like choosing or wanting to be more involved in that family, but mm -hmm. they already see you as different. And so when they want to bring up certain jokes, certain things, then you're kind of you know, they're kind of like hesitant, really. So mm -hmm. that example. Of, exactly. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so that what I, I had to kind of let it go, um, make dua, and then, you know, subhanAllah, like Allah, you know, brought me my husband, James, which is literally everything I made dua for and more, um, you know, that he's strong in faith, that he um, is cultured, that he uh, respects me and loves me that we have a great loving relationship that you know race is not a, an issue at all like all of those things and that you know he is um he's this mix of he's half algerian he's half white his, he's already african look at that yeah he's from north africa right algeria is in north africa and he grew up in in algeria so he from seven to twenty he lived in algeria um, and, you know, when we were first talking and he's sharing these stories of, of Algeria and what life is like there, I'm like, that sounds like a lot like Kenya. And, you know, and since then I've been to, to Algeria and like, just the, the, the structure of society is, is African. So it's like these things that we can relate to, um, of knowing about, you know, 
just even talking about the African cup and what's going on and African dictators and all of that stuff like was just uh, just a, a connection that we have. Um, and then, you know, just on every other level that we really, that we really were compatible. And the way that I was introduced to him was um, his roommate in college was uh, someone that I had gone to UCLA with his roommate in grad school is someone that I had gone to UCLA with and he connected us. And so it was really the subhanAllah moment for, for myself to be like, anything is possible with God. And like, had I tried to think or figure it out, I, I would have been at a loss as I was. I was like, I don't know like who is going to be the person that would marry me. And so, um, and that, and that piece of um, the, the love story comes comes into play because a lot of times in a, in, a, in a lot of ways we kind of block off or have such a fixed sen sense of um, what our life should look like or who we're supposed to marry or how we want it to be that we don't allow for this opportunity and possibility. Like if I had just been fixated like no no you know okay fine there's no Daisy there's no Arab there's no whatever like I'm gonna they want they have they have to be black and you know, I'm trying to figure out, are they black American or black African or black, like, and, you know, I'm, I'm realizing this tension, but like, no, I'm just fixated, like, that they have to be black. Um, I, it, it would have been really hard for me, and it would have been a struggle. And, you know, even when I first met James, like, that first, like, ah, oh, like, he's a white guy, like, you know, he just looks white, like, you feel, you, you know, as, as a black person, you feel it, like, you want to be that, you want to show that black love, or you, um also you know you i having that proximity now i've been we've been married for 12 years and having that proximity to to white privilege like you know when i walk into a store um greeted whatever and like and then you know if james comes in behind me or we meet up somewhere in the store and just like just the shift in energy mm -hmm. of like oh now i'm under the umbrella of white privilege but before maybe we were looking at you wondering mm, is she gonna can she afford this is she gonna buy something what is she touching um now i'm under the umbrella of white privilege and just seeing like the relaxation of the clerks in the store and the treatment um you know it's very subtle um but it pick, but you can pick up on it yeah especially you because you grew up you know growing up knowing yeah absolutely yeah exactly so like just just having all of those thoughts going into my head like of um uh of how how i think things should be or what will people think like oh you know she married a white guy and all of those things and to just you know i really let them all go because truly subhanallah like you know, my husband is the perfect match for me. You know, Allah says he created us in pairs. Like I know that he's my pair for me. Um, and whatever else, you know, extraneous thinking that could have uh, uh, interfered with that, um, neither of us let it. And, you know, till this day, I mean, literally only right now are we kind of even having these racial discussions um, about, about our marriage, like we, it was it's not some it's not something that we ignored it's just something that we understood and knew but like we we already for our for our, in our personal relationship we were already kind of beyond that discussion um and now we're seeing like oh the world the rest of the world is not beyond that discussion and we need to help them like have these discussions and move beyond them as well i love that i love that and so it's been a wonderful 12-year journey you have four kids together you've been to lots of cities and countries you've started and started and stopped lots of businesses together. Am I right? 
Yes, that's correct. So what is your current business that you do together? Um, so I have Practical Muslim, which is my coaching um, coaching service where, as you mentioned, I work with pr primarily Muslims on letting go of the limiting beliefs that they have around themselves and around Allah. And right now together, under that umbrella, we have a coaching course that is um, a six-week online training um, coaching program to really transform your life. It's a spiritual transformation course that takes you from, um, it's for those for those Muslims who have a feeling like, I want more and I want to achieve more at a higher level. I want to feel connected more to Allah in a spiritual level. Um, I want that worldly success. I want to, you know, go to Jannah and have, um, you know, have the afterlife success, but are feeling stuck in the sense that they, you know, they're, they're, they're making prayers, but they're not seeing them manifest or they're feeling like they're blocked um, from the things that they're trying to get. And so it's a program that we do together to um, get people past that and to achieve, you know, whatever it is for them. So we've had people who are single who are taking this course. So like, I'm single and I really want to get married and it's been years and years and I haven't gotten married and guiding them through that spiritual transformation ship, you know, and we've had someone who a couple weeks after ending the program got engaged. Um, and we've had a married couple go through the program and their marriage has been stagnant. And after the program, like their whole, you know, their whole marriage and home life with their kids has all transformed. So it's really the notion that we saw in the Muslim community of, of instead of being active agents and taking responsibility for shaping our lives, we kind of have used Islam as an excuse for us to kind of not do anything. Like, well, if Allah wills, you know, if Allah wills for me to start that company and successful, it will. And if Allah wills for me to get married, it will. And if it's not written for me that I'm not going to get married, then I'm one of the ones who just has to be single. And if it's not written for me to, you know, be a top doctor or to, you know, whatever it is, be an artist who creates this thing, that's what Allah wills. So it's this attitude that's really permeated in our community that like, it's all just up to Allah and I'm just floating in the wind of seeing like, where will Allah take me? I, I pray, I try to do my best. And it's like, no, like what? Like, no, you know, you and I know work, that, yeah. that thinking seeped into me. Um, and I know that how much work I have to do to shift to be like, that is not what Allah and Islam teaches us. The prophets, all of them, taught us to stand up and take action. This thing is going wrong, we've got to take action. Yes, Allah is with us and supporting us and nothing can happen without his will, but it doesn't mean that we are passive bystanders to the whims of like the wind. It means that we decide on a, decide on a destination, set our course, and we go through and when we encounter obstacles, we don't just use that as an excuse, like, oh, it got, it got so bumpy, so it means it wasn't meant for me to go there. No, it means, you know, there's something to learn, there's something to adjust for you to continue on to your destination, right? Like, the, that's, that's what our religion teaches us. And so that's what our program is about, to kind of get the Muslim community out of this um, um, victim mentality that especially because we find ourselves being oppressed in all different areas in the world. You know, right now we're hearing a lot of talk about Yemen, but you know, Yemen, Syria, Philistine, all of these places like, oh, we're oppressed 
people were just victims everywhere. Like, what are we to do? What are we to do? And we have more agency and power than we give ourselves credit for. And it's really based on that line of the Quran that Allah says, I will not change a condition of, pe of a people until they change what was in what is within themselves. And our course is, what are you changing that's within yourself? And a lot of that is your attitude and your mindset. If you're just being a passive victim, guess what? You are going to receive that. that that's what you're going to receive in your life. I love that. I love that. Now, where can we find the course? Where can we find you? And yeah, where can we just follow you after this conversation and, and want to continue the conversation with you on social media? Where are you on the web? Um, so on social media, the only social media I use is Instagram. Um, and I have a <laughs> I know, no Facebook, no Twitter. No, I have, I, I, I have some of the accounts, but I just don't use them. I, there's, there's too many, <laughs> um, but Instagram, my personal account is Z for Zahra. Um, I'm sure you'll, you'll link it under and that's my personal and then i have my coaching account where i share my devotionals and more of the more information about this course at um at practical muslim and on the web the, my website is also www.practicalmuslim.com so practicalmuslim.com and z for zahra are where you can find me you can send me an email um zahra at practicalmuslim.com and uh, yeah, I love to keep the conversation and engage with people um, on social media and via email and have these converse conversations, you know, going live, having podcasts and those things. Because within our Muslim community, especially right now, right, we're in COVID-19, we're in a racial justice, like, you know, kind of uh, shift, urgent shift yeah. that like, this is the time for Muslims. Like if you, if, if you know, you've been going about your life, like, what am, what am I to do? How am I to serve? Like, feeling like things are like, ah, I have more to give and I'm not giving it or like, things are so wrong, what's going on? This is the time to apply everything, all of your, you know, secular education, all of your Islamic knowledge, all of your ex life experiences, all of your spiritual energy is in this moment that like, the whole world, you know, I think about, um, I think about the prophet, peace be upon him, and you know how he would constantly go to the cave of Hira um, in Mecca and be observing the Meccan community. Um, I've had a chance to go for Umrah and Hajj, so like to see that mountain and how it overlooks. So Umrah is a pilgrimage. For right, those yeah. who don't know, yeah. Go to the pil I had a chance to go to pilgrimage um, in the place where the Prophet Muhammad grew up, lived, and he used to go and retreat to a cave for weeks at a time um and meditate in silence by himself or i mean you know probably silence and some talking to himself whatever um but thinking about what is this life what does it mean all these people from all all these different tribes come from all over the world to come to the square box and they put their different statues in it and they're doing all this thing and our whole meccan you know tribal society revolves around feeding those people hosting them da, da, da. like it just like what is what is all of this going around mumbo jumbo you know this whole economy commerce all of it for and same thing you can look back at look right now in our world what is this u.s um american life of like we go and we buy a new car and then new clothes and every season the fashions changes and the trends change and we have to do it again and school here and get a job so you can get a degree so you can so you can um you know get go to school you know a lot of people get into debt 
and then get a job and pay off your debt and also pay into your retirement so that you can get money so that you can have more stuff. So like, it's just what, like what? And the pandemic has thrown all of that, like, you know, out the window, <laughs> out the window, like that traditional thing is not working. Uh, you know, all of these systems shifted. And then now understanding and appreciate, appreciating um, all the racial injustice and how much black Americans, um, black people worldwide have put into and built up the system that they do not get to benefit from benefit from and not only do they not get to benefit from that they are you know killed um within it with you know with no consequence that anyone can kill us um without any consequence and looking at this like what is going on this world doesn't make sense this life doesn't make sense all of these things that we were told and taught to believe are the right way the proper way what you're supposed to do like is just collapsing and crumbling and seeing the lies and the cracks within all of it and as Muslims to come and say, yes, we have already been told that this life is an illusion. We have already been told that we are not supposed to be focusing on getting the trinkets of this world. We have already been told that we are gonna be judged on our character and our good deeds and um, standing up for justice. Not, you know, no, Allah is not gonna ask you like, how well you did on your performance review at work. What Excel spreadsheet did you make? And did you make, did you do all the cells correctly? That's not what he's asking you about. He's asking you, how did you treat people? How did you, <clears throat> um, how did you use your voice? How did you, uh, you know, uh, contribute whatever gift I had with was within you, right? And those gifts, especially in the Muslim community, a lot of them have been suppressed because for many in the Muslim community, it's like, oh, you just have to be a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer. And we're suppressing their artistic gifts, you know, their political gifts, their social justice gifts, their all different ways, their writing gifts. You know, we could have so many more Muslim writers than we do. Um, so many more, you know, even in acting and in film and all of these things because we've suppressed them. How can we contribute to making and showing this world to be to be true, to be just, to be fair, to be inclusive, to be um, a reflection of the magnificent love that Allah has for us, that we can represent him here on earth, in American society, in our communities, in our families, um, and not in this perverse, power-hungry, um, greed way that that is the mode that has been currently operating, which has served no one, even the most successful people in this system suffer from, you know, depression and anxiety and stress and worry. Um, you know, I don't know how many, you know, actors or celebrities or people you have to see commit suicide to understand that regardless of what we claim to be the pinnacle of how to live in this life, like when those people reach it, they're not happy because that's not the way that the life is supposed to be lived. So looking in this moment, and understanding everything that we have believed in, been taught, been been um, striving for, is is not it. Is um, is an illusion. And now, like I said before, if you are determined to find the truth, there is Allah will show it to you. Like God will will make that clear for you. And right now, the truth is that we have relied on ourselves. We have tried to rely on ourselves. We rely on technology. We rely on these elaborate systems. We rely on our jobs. We rely on our education. But like, okay, if I get a good education and a good job, that's going to make sure that I'm secure and I have this nice house and this good car. I'm safe and secure. I'm relying on myself. Um, and God is showing us 
nah, you don't rely on yourself. You rely on me. You rely on me. Your job out the window. The economy, blah, blah, blah. Like you think you can go here and there. There's nowhere to go. You can't travel there. You can't go this. You rely on me. You built up this whole thing and think you are relying. You guys are self-sufficient little workers doing all this. No, you rely on me. So to go back to the truth, we rely on God. God is the one who provides. And if you know that and recognize that, that God is the one that provides, it makes so many things easier. All of like the injustice that we're seeing um, in the world, particularly like in corporate America, right? We had the Me Too movement that previously came and now we're seeing, you know, the racial injustice that's going on. So, you know, every, all the people speaking out like this, you know, me too, this happened to me too, me too. I was, you know, sexually assaulted here, there, there. And now racial injustice, these people are racist. They demoted me here. They fired me for this, da, da, da. All of that time, we could have been speaking out against these issues the whole time that it was happening, but we weren't because we're afraid to lose our job. I'm afraid to lose my job. If I lose my job, I won't have health benefits. If I don't have health benefits, I won't, you know, be able to take care of myself. If I don't have my job, I can't pay for my rent and I can't get a car. Da, da. So we worshipped that job. We worshipped the system. We worshipped all of the things that we said it was going to give us. And the system hasn't, you know, is cracked now. And you can see that it wasn't really going to give you anything. Um, and you don't need to worship it. You can worship God. And you can speak up when you see, you know, Mary being pulled aside by your boss and coming out later in tears. You can speak up and say something then in the moment and not have to worry about your job. Because when you do, God is still there and God will provide for you. It is not your job. It is not your boss. It is not the system. It is not the police. It is none of those things. And that's where we are now. And that's where the Muslim community is so poised because we know that. We know that our risk is written. We know that, you know, not, you know if the whole world were to gather to, work, to, to give you something, they couldn't unless Allah willed. And if the whole world were to gather to give you some harm, they couldn't unless Allah willed. We have that foundational knowledge. So we should be the ones unafraid to call out everything and anything that is going wrong because we have that base. And that again is what part of our course is because we have these teachings and learnings that we're taught, but then we practice something very different. We, we practice in the Muslim community is play safe, do what they say. And I think a lot of that is um, for, for the Muslims that are immigrants, you know, the immigrant community, our parents were like, our, we saw back home that there was no system at all. And we were all scrambling and suffering and you know, corrupt governments taking advantage of us. Even if this system is a little shady, at least, you know, if you kind of abide by the rules, you can get something out of it. So work in this system. And then um, for those, uh, you know, Muslims that are native Muslims, African, uh, I mean, black, black Muslims, um, same thing, understanding that like, ah, you know, yes, if there's racial injustice everywhere, but like, okay, you know, we've come so far, let's just try and build on what the things that we've already had. Not appreciating like that they, they don't want us to build nothing. <laughs> they don't want us to build anything. They don't want us to have anything. They don't want us to build anything. So to now pull back and be like, okay, right, we've tried to play by your rules. And we see that your rules uh, you know, don't, ap don't apply to you. You are already have been playing by a different rules. And now you don't even want to honor your made up rules that you made for us. So no, we don't need to play by those rules either. And what are we going to do? 
we are going to stand up for truth and justice and demand that it change and change the whole game, right? Dismant, you know, defund the police, abolish the police, dismantle these systems. These are not extraordinary things. These are just regular things to take apart, apart something that is not working and build something back that will work, that is stated for the people, done and created by the people. I love it. Now, I have so much to say, but you also say so much that I wanted to say. So, yay for Z girls. <laughs> you know, we're just like, it's like she, she, she's got like my mind going right, right over to her. So, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. This has been great. I want to, um, I think I want to close out with a few quotes that were just lingering in my mind, though, of um, this time was good. I saw it somewhere. I'm probably just paraphrasing, but I saw it somewhere of uh, this time is good of, of God when God wants your attention, he will get it, <laughs> right? So this time is definitely a great reiteration for that. And then also on the lines of the quote of, um, uh, uh, give me the strength to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things that I can. So mm -hmm. I feel like those quotes are related to this conversation, are related to this time. And I definitely want anyone who's listening to this to please leave us a comment uh, join the Living Legacy community on Facebook because we want to talk about it. If you want to know what you want to talk about, we want to make sure that you understand. And if you don't understand, I'm here for you to uh, ask questions because I love asking questions myself and I love answering questions. So let's definitely keep the conversation going. Definitely follow my fellow Ziga on social media and also continue to follow Living Legacy podcast on Facebook on Instagram, and anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. So thank you so much, Zaya, for being here. Thank you for having me. And I love it. And I think that's the most important thing is just to keep the conversation going. Don't accept things as they are. Challenge them and talk about it. Because the system was surviving with our silence. And now that we're all speaking up, you know, you hear the stories and you realize like, oh my God, this is all nonsense. So keep speaking up. Keep talking. Have the conversations.